Black Out Loud Media Group. What's up, everybody? This is part one of the season finale. Um, I just want to take the time out to thank everybody who's supported the podcast, who's listened to every episode, or even if you just listen to one episode. I appreciate you, and I hope that you found value. So uh, without further ado, here's part one of the season finale. Welcome back to another episode of the Brown Sugar Cafe podcast, the place where poetry meets conversation. I'm your host, Terrence P. Elmore. And before we get into today's topic, make sure you hit that plus sign so you don't miss an episode. Also, please subscribe to my blog, thebrownsugarcafe.blog. And if you find any value in this episode or any other episodes, make sure you leave a heartfelt review. So with that being said, let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. This is the season finale, and today I have a special guest. I have the board of directors. Fellas, introduce yourselves. The Renaissance Boys are back in the building. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My name is Gerard Rose. I am one half of the board of directors. Yeah, I'm uh, Michael Holloman. I am the other half of the board of directors. <laughs> Happy to be here, Terrence, man. Thanks for inviting us on yeah, today. Oh, man, Thank I appreciate it, fellas. Uh, for my listeners, I was on their podcast. Man was that about five five years ago maybe many many years yeah ago. Hello. Hello. yeah i had if you want one me to book. actually look it up i can find it. yeah i had one <laughs> <laughs> i had one book then i'm working on my third now so yeah yeah what you, work, what you working on man oh, okay well I, I, I know we didn't guess on here but i have a hey, it's cool that's a lot of questions <laughs> <laughs> it's cool we want to know uh, well you know, as you all know, my first two books were dedicated to love. Well, this one, you know, I was sitting at my desk and I was thinking, I was like, I really don't have nothing for the fellas. I mean, of course, you know, people support, you all support it, but it's like it really, the audience was females, understandably, because the subject is about love. And so I, I wanted to create something that was geared more towards men. Well, it kind of shifted because, you know, after George Floyd was murdered, I started writing different poems and stuff. And then I wrote a poem called Familiar Fruit, which is a now version of Strange Fruit. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking, okay, so I need to have some poems that showed beautiful black stories from a perspective of a black man. And I didn't want to have it, the book filled with a bunch of trauma and pain because everybody loves that. And that's so profound. Yep. And so... The name of my book is called Pain is Not Our Only Paintbrush. And it's going to be a collection of poems. And I'm trying to get some short stories in there. And just telling, like I said, beautiful um, stories of black people from the eyes of a black man. And I want it to be something that everybody can take something from, not just us. I want it to be educational. I want it to be uplifting. And I want it to focus it on men and try to get like a conversation going as far as like mental health and different things like that so hopefully i'll do a good job with that oh man that's well, dope. I, I like it man what you? yeah i was gonna say man that, that i think one of the biggest things is that the fact that you you're doing it so you know hope everybody will like it but everybody can't do it and people talk about doing stuff like that and all they got is talk they don't have any products so 
I mean, oh, I commend man. you for yeah. actually going out there and actually doing it because it's, it's easy to talk about what you want to do. And I remember when you first mentioned that you wanted to start writing books and stuff like that. Yeah, and you actually yeah. went and did it. So that's that's an accomplishment right there. Not only have you done it, you've done it almost three times now. So, yo, don't oh, sell man, yourself short. I appreciate short. that. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, that. I appreciate absolutely. that. 100% man you know what I really appreciate about what you uh, what you going to be putting together is that it's positive right you know I'm saying it's so much trauma so much drama and people really flock towards that that pain but we don't live in pain anymore right so we should be talking about our, our real experiences and talking about right. our life right now <clears throat> we're past that pain keep going when you keep talking about pain you keep bringing up stuff and you keep um, what's the word I'm looking for manifesting that back into your life because when you Whatever you talk about, whatever you do, so much of it manifests back in your life. So remain the positive. Talking about the, the greatness of your life right now, I think that's important. It's important for black men to hear too, because uh, black men always flock towards the negative stuff. We yeah. always, always we always want to lean on the pain that we've experienced or the loss that we've had. You know, whatever that emotion that makes us angry, we always want to go to that emotion versus the emotion that really motivates us and really moves us, which is what you what you like to talk about, which is love. Because love, love transcend transcends so much, man. Because <clears throat> think about a mother when their child is pinned on a car and they get this adrenaline to pick the car up and get the child from up under there. That's love, yeah. man. That ain't anger. It ain't you know what I'm saying that's that's love that, that causes you to be that strong. So that's right. a very powerful emotion to tap into, man. Once you learn how to use it properly absolutely yeah yeah that's true um tank said something when he was on uh drink champs and he was talking about how i'm trying to remember how he said it he was like it's our love that scares them like if we mm -hmm. could express our love and show our love that's a powerful thing like you said and mm -hmm. so so many different things could change and so many different things could happen if we tap into our love and express that yeah, I agree, man. Think about the NOI. When the NOI shows up, like everybody started paying more attention, like focused on, okay, I need to straighten up because if I do something crazy, they're going to tighten me up. But the NOI, they move as, they, you know, them brothers, them brothers really care about each other, man. That's why they move yeah. the way they move. That's why they, right. that's why they're able to do so many things together because they love and appreciate one another and they understand and learn how to work together, which is something that we do need to learn how to do, work together yeah. and then re know how to reach back, know how to reach back, man. All right, let me. I'm no, like two, like two minutes in. I'm already. Hey, <laughs> hey. I'm already starting to dig in my bag, dog. Let me back hey. up. <laughs> hey, man, ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of black boy joy. All right. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying you ain't hurting nobody. Go ahead and enjoy yourself. Bad true, bad true. And you know, I, I, I come from a place of a lot of pain, and I, I think I've found a way to healthily deal with it. I got me an outlet, which is what we don't do as black men. We don't talk about our pain. We don't share it properly. We yeah. Like to use it. We like to use it against people um, versus using it to help ourselves. So um, I, I found me a proper outlet. Thanks to G. You know what I'm saying? To make sure I, I process that pain and that emotion properly. So I, I can focus on my, my here and now, man, because take a look around, man. You know, you got a great job. There's a lot of people that don't have, they're not working right now. And you got a job. I mean, the bills are paid. Happy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying nice solid relationship. You know, ain't no drama, ain't no drama, all that stuff, man. So there's no pain. If I really think about it, there's no pain for me to lean on. God is taking good care of me. So why, I'm, hey, why am I tripping? Why am I tripping though? I don't have to walk around with a pistol in my waist. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, but you, you know what you what you might need to do because of how I am is uh, I don't know what this outlet is I provided you, so you know I'd love to hear more about that. <laughs> 
Please. I know you I know love you love his words of affirmation, so let's get into it. I, 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 How have I contributed right. to this situation? His face lit up as soon as you said it. <laughs> like, word? Word? Me? <laughs> you know me. You know, and the thing about me and Mike have been tight for, my goodness, Mike, when did we first get tight? It's got to be back from... I was Cam. I was Cam Avery. You'll be 16 in June, yeah. so... Oh, wow, 16. Maybe the better part of 17 years. <laughs> yep, 17 years. Hey, like, wow, it's been that, it's been that long? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I got an idea, but you know me. You start talking about what I've done and how great it was. I need details. All right, I'll go right here. Layout. Details. <laughs> details. Here we go. So, Terrence, I'm pretty sure you you're, uh, you're, you seem like you're a very emotional, intelligent guy. You're yeah, pretty much yeah. In, in tune. You know how to share your emotions properly. When G first met me, I wasn't there at all. I couldn't do it. And we talked about anything emotional. I was like, oh, nope. That conversation ends right now. Not having that conversation. I was, hey, I was like that too. It it takes some work. It, yeah, it takes somebody pulling it out. You, it takes somebody yeah. letting you know it's okay. And I think we don't have that enough as men, as black men. Somebody letting you know it's okay because we grew up. We were taught to be tough. Um, mm-hmm. You fall down. It's like get up, walk it off. Yep. You know, um, right. not addressing the pain or what happened. And what happens? You grow up to be an adult, walking off your emotions. You're not sitting there assessing what's going on. You're not properly seeing if something needs to be healed. You're just getting up and moving on with it. And it's not soft to be express yourself and be in tune with your emotions. It actually takes a lot of strength to do that. Because to me, it's easy to be angry. Like I can do that with without a problem, but it, it takes more strength and more more intention to be in tune with your emotions and to actually process what's going on. Right. Yeah. And don't, don't let Mike sell you on this thing. Like I was all emotionally evolved <laughs> when we met 17 years ago. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I, <laughs> when we met, I was probably, uh, anxiety riddled, uh, sure of my rightness and everything. And, unable to figure out why everybody else couldn't understand what I understood. So, so don't, 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 don't let him sit here and tell you like, well, this was just this guy who was like mad Zen and he helped me open up. No, 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 no. If anything in the last 17 years, we've helped each other grow. And, uh, I definitely can say he's helped me as much as I have helped him. So yeah, don't let him sit here and, and talk about like, I was this, this, uh, diamond in the rough that he found that <laughs> was just waiting for the right person to come along so I can impart wisdom on them. No, that's not how it happened. That's how it happened. No, that's not. That's absolutely not how it happened. Mike, what are you like talking about? Me. I don't know. Sound like it. <laughs> y'all, sound like y'all Terrence agree. Y'all buddy. Terrence, sound like Terrence, 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 Terrence wasn't there. He, w- <laughs> he wouldn't let me shooting in the gym. All right. He was not there. Don't let him tell you how it happened when the two of us were actually there, Mike. Now, I can tell you straight up, Mike, probably you know like he said he was the one who's like uh feelings i i'm not interested in discussing that yeah yeah i was probably the one person was like i wish i could find somebody to tell what i'm thinking and (laughs) i don't think i had an outlet in that way but so an easy way for him to ignore his feelings was to encourage me to continue to talk about mine oh wow so okay i was at all dog i was at all dog i was like just do it talk about his feelings so easily i was like how do you do that i was just trying to figure it out I was like how is this possible 
Because I, I spend that. all day in my own head thinking about my own feelings. Listen, every eventuality, I went into the future like Doctor Strange in Infinity War, and I saw every possible outcome for every possible situation. I knew which one was the one, okay? So when you want me to explain what my thought process is, I'd be glad to tell you that because I've spent so much time in my own head figuring out what it is I think and feel and why I feel that way. And unfortunately, I wasn't having conversations with other people to realize how much I didn't know. So, yeah. Uh, that's important. That <laughs> that reminds me of, uh, for those of y'all who don't know, they have a podcast called The Board Meeting. Um, it's in an extended hiatus. But uh, <laughs> That is a very polite way of saying <laughs> that we have not recorded an episode in over a year. Yeah. And we probably don't have any intentions of adding you know, another. You know, I'm, hopeful. You. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Yeah, I'm hopeful. <laughs> We just yeah, on the interview circuit. Yeah, we appreciate it, Terrence. That, that was encouraging, though. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite episodes was the one with uh, Chris Rice, and mm. I really enjoyed that conversation. I'm, I'm going to put the link in the show description, but you all talked about a lot in that, it, um, especially Mike, uh, how Chris called him at that, that moment, like that right moment. It just... it it feels like and more than just feels like it's like you all have been in the right place at the right time you all have developed something that's been very very helpful very insightful the podcast um the mentorship speaking in schools how did that start (laughs) yeah that that was a situation that we pretty much i could say for lack of a better term we just fell into that you know, we 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 wrote our first book, The Makings of a Man. And of course, we wrote it and we just knew once the right person read that joint, we was going to be on uh, Oprah, which, you know, was still on the air back when we wrote the book. It's been that long. Uh, we was going to be on Oprah show. We was going to be on Today Show. We was going to be on Good Morning America. Listen, we got bars. We just need the world to hear. Them. So, uh, you know, we we wrote the book and that call never came. Unfortunately, or fortunately, maybe yet, yet it, it might yeah. still come. Yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah, man, I, I don't, I don't, I don't make a habit of closing doors anymore. I'm open to all possibilities. Uh, some of them I just don't chase anymore. I say it that way. So, <laughs> we we wrote the book, and really, what happened was is that it got into the hands of some people in the Columbia area, and they were interested, and they started offering us opportunities. So, you know, we wrote mm-hmm. it and. Our publisher knew somebody who worked in the school system and was like, hey, I think these guys would be great to come talk to your boys in your school and your after school program. And it kind of started from there and it, it kind of opened up a world of possibilities where, you know, we wrote the book with a certain intention, trying to help young men understand that your character is what it takes for you to become an actual man rather than need physical traits, your size, your strength. You know your courage or whatever whatever well courage is one of course but i don't want to dismiss that but just getting them to understand that is more of a mental uh, approach and also uh, execution of what you have in your mind in your daily walk in life that is what makes you a man not necessarily what you possess physically so you know we started doing those events and we talking to groups and then you know, parents or other administrators will come through and be like, oh, well, I got something going on in my church. Can you come speak here? Or, you know, can you, you know, participate in that? So that's kind of how everything got started for us. Now, let's bear in mind. So when we first got started and these things happened, we weren't good at speaking. 
we'll we'll buy oh, we'll yeah. buy it this None stage. None of us are. Yeah. Yeah, we'll buy it this stage. Now we're gonna burn it down. I've now. been talking in front of people since I was four years old. So <laughs> listen, I ain't new to this. <laughs> I've only Jesus, gotten better, but I was Happy good from the jump. Happy Easter Day. No, 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 no. Real talk. I'm gonna tell you this. I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast before, Mike. I think I might have told you about this. So okay. when I was like maybe four or five years old, yeah, I was doing my Easter speech at church. But the way they were doing it was that they were bringing up three kids at a time and nobody told me that that was the time that I was supposed to deliver my Easter speech. So I get up and I'm like, I don't know what y'all want me to do, but I heard what everybody else said. So so let me kick a freestyle real quick. So I was up, you know, four or five years old going off the dome talking about the meaning of Easter and how, you know, whatever, whatever. And. You know, on the third day, yada, 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 I'm hitting them with everything. And I'm just, you know, amen when I'm done. And I go back to my seat and I ask my parents like, yo, so when I'm going to do my Easter speech? <laughs> get it? And, and that and that is my earliest memory of speaking in front of people. And wow. I've, I've genuinely never been frightened or scared like most people talk about with public speaking. It has literally been something I've been doing since four or five years old. And, you know, just my involvement in, you know, various things in the church and outlining hymns and doing the prayer on you Sunday and stuff like that. That's pretty much how I got into it and got comfortable with it. It's always been a part of my life. So my only nervousness that I experience from time to time is if I feel as though I have not completely prepared for the situation Mm -hmm. before I go speak. If I prepare, I'm good. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's well. I remember doing um, Easter speeches and I think we had like public speaking speeches and stuff we had to do in church. And mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you, you bring me back to my childhood. I guess that was preparing, <laughs> preparing us. Yeah, for- yeah it was. It, it, listen, it was. man, yeah. I think a lot of times we, we don't understand the situations that we're going through when we go through them and what they're setting us up for, what they're preparing us for. But when you look back over your life and you realize the things that you really enjoy, the things you're really good at, you realize all the situations you've been placed in that prepare you for that opportunity. I mean, you think about it as someone who is not afraid to speak in front of a group from a very young age. And then you grow up and you work in a job where you're standing in front of people, teaching them both for your full-time employment and your part-time employment through an organization that you started. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you realize how all these situations keep repeating themselves and presenting themselves in your life. And you look back over like, yeah, I guess that's why I, I outlined all those hymns. I did all those prayers and said all those speeches and did those things. Those were preparation for where I needed to go in my life. I just didn't see it for a very long time. Right. Yes, yeah. Yes. And I, I think sometimes so. we, we recognize those things, but we don't want to acknowledge them. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Ah, ah. And then you get all these like, OK, yeah. I, I see. I see. Yeah, you can see. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Which, G was talking about that. It's kind of made me think about this uh, description in the Bible since we talk about church stuff. But, you know, uh, maybe think about, you know, you know, God doesn't uh, call the equip. He equips the called. And that's kind of what that what that what G was talking about there. Like, you don't know what you're being prepared for. Yeah. But you are being, but you are being prepared for something. But you have to be willing to. What you were saying earlier, Terrence, like take advantage of the opportunities as they come along. Because God places them in your life all the time. It is so you yeah. have being willing to take on those opportunities, whether you know what you're going to do or not. Because it's not about what you know. It's knowing that, well, if God put me in this situation, He's going to equip me for what I need to do in order for me to be successful in this role. And that's what G's been doing, man. G's been speaking since four, man. So speaking in front of people, right? It just 
it's just what you do like i i get up here and talk in front of people i'm gonna get up here and talk in front of people it's just what you do man Me, meanwhile i'm meanwhile in my head i'm like uh so i might mumble i might speak too fast <laughs> i'm going through all these things in my head making myself more nervous than i should be versus just focusing on you know what i know what to say i'm gonna go ahead and just, and just do what i do my part now it always came out right it always came out properly but in the back of my head, I was always kind of turning through like, man, am I really, am I really doing this? Like, am I, am I really going to get in front of these people? Are they really going to listen to the voice, my voice? Because I know who I am. I know where I came from. I know the things I experienced. I know what I've done. Right. And now I'm talking all these, about all these positive, great things that you should be doing and adding your life and how you should be. And, I, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder if they can see through the facade. Is there a facade there? <laughs> <laughs> right but it wasn't a facade because it was real i'm just being honest about who where i was yeah. who i am my the journey that i experienced man so and um the thing g told you man i can i can talk so i'm gonna talk about my uh my experience in kindergarten because g i was telling you about my experience in kindergarten mm-hmm. i didn't realize what i was being prepared for because um in the area i grew up in <clears throat> you know we didn't we don't mingle white people and black people in, in that time we don't really mingle like that we don't hang out like that unless we're at school so right. when i was in when i was in kindergarten i went to a, a g calls it a private school it wasn't really a private school Queen. yeah don't let him fool you he's a private school kid open, even if it was one year and it was kindergarten he's a private school kid i don't cover them type of means at all right but it was a uh, it was a it was a kindergarten but it was at a uh, it was at a church and okay. it was it wasn't like a kindergarten like now you go in there you color and you sit on the floor and do all that stuff nah dog it wasn't none of that it was ran by a, a former school teacher she was older and she didn't play no games right? oh yeah so yeah she was she was preparing us for the environment we was about to go into because we were all black kids coming from black families hanging out with black people and we was about to go into an environment that was completely different from us what we didn't control right we was about to go into a, a white environment a, a white environment so it, in kindergarten you no know, she had us sit at desk she had us reading to each other. She had us, um, uh, when it was time to wash hands, she would teach us how to be leaders then because we were calling people up to come wash your hands. It's your turn to wash your hands. You hand them a, hand them a paper towel and then you go oh, get, wow. your, get your plate. Yeah. You sit down, you eat your food. Now, we, um, and not only did we learn nursery rhymes, but we broke down the nursery rhymes. So let's hear, so what does this mean to you, right? So it was preparing us to go to school so we can be students because we needed to be students. We needed because we was going into an environment, man, where they weren't gonna respect us. Yeah, that, that does but sound it, like a private school though, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have an ally. Very, have an ally. very well hey. Y'all were very well prepared at a young age. That's that's yeah, man, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, man, you know, former former school teacher, man, older, ain't play no games. You know, they just kinda know. And and back then, you know. Adults had the authority to check you properly. You oh yeah, right. And I was talking to my wife about that the other day. About um, I remember in kindergarten, lining up for a paddling. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I guess it's a South thing because some people who went to other schools, I told them about that. They were like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, if you showed out, you could get a paddling in school." And our parents, everybody was okay with it. I mean, everybody understood you don't see that now you don't know you yell at somebody's child or even not even yell talk too loud towards somebody's child it's a whole different <laughs> look thing look at them funny sometimes yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right that's right 
right. You, you hit on something important there because it, it, it's something that I've been, you know, looking back over my life about personally is that when I was growing up, things was done, things were done a certain way. Mm-hmm. And now things are done a little bit differently, but I think it's our natural inclination to pass on our experience to those who come behind us. But those who come behind us don't live in the same time as we did when we were their age. The the times yeah. have changed. Yeah. So, you know, what was acceptable and what was permitted then should not be continued now, not only because we've learned more, but because the world is also changing. We have to adapt to fit within the new paradigm of how things operate. I was telling somebody uh, earlier today that, you know, for a while I was really like hard on myself and disappointed that I have two sons and neither of them have touched a lawnmower in their life. Not even to move it. As a matter of fact, Mike got my old lawnmower (laughs) because I don't even use it anymore. So, but, but, you know, part of me was like, man, am I failing them because so much of what I grew up with, like that was part of what made me hardworking and and willing to go sweat and do that work because that was what I was made to do by my parents. And now yeah. I have my own children and they are not doing that. And if and it felt I felt a little bit guilty in a way because I felt like I was shorting them from the experiences I had. But at the same time, they don't necessarily have to experience everything that I did in the way that I did to end up where they need to be. And I think that's just a factor of, you know, things evolve, things change. So we have to learn to accept and live with that in a a certain way. It's just more important to establish the character and values in them. That's what you need to focus on. Exactly. Because that's what the hard work and other thing that our parents taught us based on what they've learned. But what they really were working on was trying to establish the, the proper values and the proper character. Of a, of a man so i think as long as you're doing that man you're doing a great job and by the way you are doing a great job by the way though yeah don't stop i was i did an episode <laughs> um a while back and it was in reference to um it was a conversation going on about people saying once you turn 18 you're getting out of my house just because it was done to them without actually assessing if that made sense because I feel like if you have this rule where you want your child to get out of the house at 18, you should be preparing them from a very small age how to survive going out on their own at 18. There should be a lot of surviving tactics, skills, and all that stuff in preparation to even pertaining to college. 17, 18 years old, it's a lot of kids that aren't ready for college, but it's this thing where when you get a certain... yeah when you get a certain age you have to go and it's like okay this is how i was raised this was what happened to me and you have to have it hard to you don't always have to have it hard like 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 mike said you it's, it's about character development character building it's what you put inside of a child a person that helps them grow and become because i always see these things about people like it's one of these um memes or it's like a little video and it goes through this story about what the guy granddaddy was driving and what he was driving what the son was driving and it's it at the end of it it says that the the son's son will be walking again because hard times make men or something like that but i'm like right. there's plenty of people yeah it's plenty of people that 
have certain things that still understand hard work, still understand the value of stuff, still understands how to maintain things. But some of these people aren't teaching the proper things to maintain. Like when it comes to generational wealth, you know, that's something that's not very prevalent in our communities. But for people who have stuff to pass on, like businesses and things like that, I forgot what the statistic was, but it's like after that that second generation or third generation is lost because nobody ever taught them how to maintain they just mm-hmm. handed them something and just figured everything would be cool but they weren't taught the value of you know how to maintain a business um how to grow a business and things like that so it's not you know because you're quote-unquote privileged or given these things that you're going to lose it it's like what are you teaching them in the process Speak on yeah. it, brother. Speak on it. Hey, hey, listen, a, a, a blessing without preparation to receive and maintain it is actually a curse. Yes, that's it. Because I, I could I could bless my 16, soon to be 16 year old son with a brand new car. He has zero driver's licenses and he has never driven anything ever in his life. And he would probably crash it before he got halfway down our street to the stop sign. So, yeah, you can look at that as, you know, a blessing is as something that is great that's been given to him, but he is not prepared to receive it or to maintain it. So what I've essentially done is given him something that he can't actually benefit from, and it actually becomes a weight around his neck rather than a liberating thing that you would think that it would be. Right. So yeah, we can't just we can't just go out here and be like, oh yeah, I got it, you know, from my dad who struggled and and tried to had to get it out the mud to get it. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, if your dad didn't put that that value, that instruction, that lesson in you, then you're not going to do with it what needs to be done. And you're going to actually probably end up either hurting yourself, hurting someone else and losing that thing that's supposed to be something that is a great uh, blessing in your life. So, yeah, that's a real good be analogy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw yes. something else. Somebody said that um, they don't want their kids to have to get it out of the mud like they did. They wanted them to be able to pick it from the garden from the seeds that they're planting and it's like that mentality you know it's like just because we had certain things hard we don't have to make it harder on the next generations yet like you said things are different i mean things are really different man i had a a pager in high school kids have cell phones in (laughs) elementary school (laughs) it's true it's a different world man that's true i mean if you wanted to talk to somebody and they lived in a different county than you you had to have a calling card to make sure you can call them and because it'd be long distance yep let me let me tell you what i know about that life okay listen i grew up in oh, an area yeah. i grew up in an area where right. i live on the street i grew up on the street where I, I stand on my parents' front porch. Listen, I stand on that porch. I can see my grandparents' house to the left. I can look across the street and see my aunt and uncle right there. In that three-house triangle, my father graduated from Berkeley High School. I graduated from Stratford. And my younger cousin across the street graduated from Cane Bay. Yeah. Things change. Things oh, evolve. Yeah. But at that time, our phone number was long distance 
to the people I went to high school with, man. Yeah. Yeah. I could not call a girl on <laughs> exactly. the phone without paying yeah. long distance rates. Exactly. I don't know there if you know Mike, no but we went to the same high school, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. But, okay. But yeah, okay. Ter- yeah I, Terrence I didn't probably didn't have to call long distance. <laughs> yeah. To call. He lived. In, he lived in a different part, but where he stays at, where he's man. At, off subject, real quick. What does it look like over there That's now when you go stuff. home? Oh man, it's it's crazy. I barely recognize it anymore, man. Places that used to be just like trees yeah. all over the place is his entire subdivisions have been opened up there is not only one but two gas stations off the exit where i grew up at <laughs> off of 26 exit 194 wow. that were nothing yeah. but trees when i grew up there was yeah. there's a wendy's and i think they just opened the arby's on the other side of the interstate and it's just like yeah this yeah. was trees trees uh, Trees. trees. That part and of twenty six was two lanes, and now it's, it's three. It's white. They exactly. widened up three now. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And, and also, because since Mike was so insistent on me telling you know <laughs> people where I grew up at, because it was as rural as it was, there was initiative. There was an initiative in the county to pave some of these roads because it was a good political situation. And our dirt road that I grew up on and was walking to the school bus on got paved probably when I was about middle school. So yes, okay. the uh, primary. You trying, trying, trying to do all this? No, listen. I'm gonna get there, Mike. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna need you. I'm gonna really need you. I'm really need you. I, I know you're trying to soften this blow up, dog. But nah, I'm wait. not trying to soften nothing. I'm, I'm giving context, okay? <laughs> People need to understand the background of what's going on here. So, anyway being probably some of the people who uh, initiated the process i guess you could say primary landowners in the area the street was droves lane before somebody moved in in an extended area and my street had to have an actual different name and it is legacy lane so there's that oh wow okay i didn't i didn't know they changed the name okay yeah yeah because it was it's, it's shaped like an L, but out the bottom corner of that L, somebody moved in at the end, so then yeah. it's like, it shaped like a T. So we had to change names. That's dope. That's dope, man. I know I'd be messing with you about it, G, but I, that's dope. No, no, no worry. Right. Listen. Yeah, that is dope. Listen, yeah. you you still a private school kid, <laughs> and it's all love. <laughs> it's all love, baby. Uh, <laughs> private school right here. That's why I'm so spoiling a brat. <laughs> yeah, it's that, it's that one year private kindergarten you had. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Brown Sugar Cafe podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Terrence B. Elmore, and this is the place where poetry meets conversation. Hit that follow button and turn on your notifications so you won't miss an episode. Check out my blog, thebrownsugarcafe.blog. Also connect with me on Instagram at thebrownsugarcafe. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, remember, keep pushing forward.